Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from 10 to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. And remember to save the date. The next edition of Vinitali will be held from the 2nd to the 5th of April 2023. Welcome to Iconic Women in Italian Wine on the Italian Wine Podcast. This recording was taken from a seminar that took place during Vinitali 2022. Listen in to this unprecedented, unique session that included two competing wine writers and seven renowned wine producers sharing a stage to tell their stories. This was a meeting of hearts, minds, and wines, a showcase of the communication skills of women who were able to pool their resources and put aside differences to come together for the greater good of the entire Italian wine sector. Okay, so now we know who's here, in case you didn't before. Um, and you can see that we had three wines poured. This is our first group. So everybody, please taste them now and think about who you think, um, which wine might belong to which producer. I am going to give you a little bit of a hint and tell you who's in each grouping. Um, well, actually, taste first, and then we'll yeah, get to that. Yeah, yeah and, and we actually managed to deliver some small samples to Monica. Um, so I don't know if while we're tasting, Monica, if you have any notes. Uh, some very distinctive wines here, I would say. Right away, what I love about Italy, um, wines that really speak and say some to you out of the glass. Uh, Monica, any comments? Yes, absolutely. Um, thankfully, despite my terrible voice and the coughing, I do have a sense of smell and taste. So I'm very excited to taste these wines. Off the bat, we jump into the first sample, which is obviously a white wine. But um, I think you'll notice that it's kind of hard to tell exactly what grape this could be. There's a kind of a fullness. There's a lot of um, kind of a, a ripe apple, pear, a little bit of nuttiness. Um, I was going to say, Monica, I think if this was truly blind and we were tasting um, in the dark or with black glasses, you wouldn't know if this is a white wine or a red wine. Exactly. Because there's, it's very generous. It's incredibly generous. Very perfumed and a lot of depth. But I'm really struck by the, the, the kind of creaminess as well. And, you know, um, also to talk about wine number two, this to me, this, this beautiful juiciness, beautiful expression. Um, and I actually think we're going to see this in all these wines, uh, just the wonderful complexity that we're going to find. Monica, I'll let you maybe move on to wine number three. Yes, and so wine number three is definitely, you can, there is a bit of evolution there. But I mean, notice how, how those kind of earthy notes jump right at you. There's licorice, there's dark, dark tar, there's kind of, um, kind of like a rusty nail. There's also a kind of a, almost a little bit of a balsamic note that kind of comes straight from, from the bouquet with a little bit of um, almost like, a, like a, a dried violet or, or even a little bit of rosemary. Great mineral expression. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to let them do some tasting notes too, but uh, we're actually going to jump to the part where we have some audience participation, please. Um, so I am going to give you a little bit of a hint here if you haven't already figured out. Our first group includes a wine from Elisabetta Foradori, 
also from Ariana Okipinti, and also from Chiara Baskis. So what do we, who do you think our white wine belongs to? Show, raise your hand if you think, how am I doing this actually? Because <laughs> yes. I don't want to do too many votes. We're not going to take up no, much time with this. So you have three choices, right? You have, okay, here we go. Okay, so just raise your hand once. Okay, that's how it works. You get to vote once. Um, so if you you think the first wine is Ariana's, please raise your hand. Nobody. Okay. Okay. If you think it's Chiara Boski's, raise your hand. Oh my God, this is good. <laughs> These, kids, these kids are good. Okay, hold on. Let me ask. Who thinks this wine is Elizabeth's? Okay, great. Easy, easy, easy. All right. Well, now we've made it really easy for you. So wine number two. Do we think it's Chiara's? Do we think it's Ariana's? Yeah, okay. And wine number three, of course, is Kiarabowski's. So let me tell you what we have. In glass number one, the Nossi, uh, well, I'll read it as we like. Uh, 2015 Vignetti della Dolomiti Nossiola Fontana Santa. And then wine number two from Occipinti, 2019 Frapato Viniti Contrada BB. And finally, wine number three, 2010 Borolo Canubi. So um, I think three beautiful wines to start. Uh, we, we've had some tasting notes, but I think, as I said, we're, we've got some more, we have a young wine, the 2019, in between the 2015, going back to the 2010. So um, wonderful expressions and also some good evolutions to some of these wines. Thank you all. Um, we're now gonna talk a little bit, we had a question for this trio. Um, each of these producers, each of you, uh, represent very specific and highly individual wine territories, uh, Sicily, Trentino, Barolo. And one of the things that I see a lot and that we're seeing is more greater granularity in the wine industry. As winemakers see a wonderful terroir and they want to highlight it and bottle it separately. So what are the pros and cons of this? Of course, uh, as a wine lover, to get more information and more expression, this is exciting. But also as a wine lover, to try and track down this very hard to find limited bottling is also difficult. And it means that the wine may not be part of a broader conversation. Um, can each of you talk a little bit about that while telling us about your wine and why you selected it? And maybe we'll just start at the far left with Ariana, if we may. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming. And to be here after you know, two years, very strange for everybody. Um, today, um, we, we are putting Frappato. Uh, Frappato is uh, the grape uh, original from Victoria, where I live and where I was born. No, where, where I grew up. I was born in Marsala, so in the west coast of Sicily. Um, Frappato is part of um, our appellation, that is Cerasuolo di Vittoria, usually was blended with Mero Davola. And when I started making wine, uh, um, I was attracted from this grape, and we took hands, because maybe Frappato needed uh, a person that uh, uh, was uh, believing in this amazing grape, and maybe I needed a very important grape to, to, to grow, as winemaker to grow as vigneron. So um, thanks to uh, the character of this grape, uh, I learned to make wine. 
And um, after years, so the Trevinified Frappato blending uh, uh, some different parcels, um, and also vinifying the Nero Davola, that's uh, um, is, uh, so as you know, so one of the most important grape in Sicily, and I hope in the next future, Nero Davola will get again the importance that this grape has. Um, but Strappato, um, after 2016, uh, decided to um, start to vinify the uh, parcel by parcel, so as a single vineyard. Because um, for almost 15 years I was working and uh, vinifying different uh, kind of soil. And Victoria is specialized as uh, a lot of limestone. So we are uh, at the feet of the Blay Mountains in the southeast of Sicily, in a very um, important place because it's the unique DOCG. So Cerasuolo di Vittoria is the blend of Frappato and Nero Davola, is the unique uh, DOCG of Sicily. Um, and uh, uh, the, the area is made by different kind of limestone. So in Vittoria we have red sand usually on top for the first 30 centimeters and uh, compact limestone or, or tufa or um, more like limestone underneath. Um, when I started making wine, when I was a driving tractor around the Victoria Place, uh, I discovered the different parcel. And at the beginning, uh, I wasn't able to buy. So I rented this small parcel. And step by step, I was able to buy. So now, fortunately, I have a, like a treasure because uh, I'm working in many different districts in Victoria. So I vinified the many different parts of this place. And um, I found uh, the work uh, uh, parcel by parcel, uh, one of the goals of a wine producer. It's not uh, a tradition in Victoria, but I started to make it because for me it's important to show what Victoria is uh, in, 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 the, in the real part of uh, his uh, um, wine sense. So BB is the place where now you have the seller, and this one is 19. And um, I have other two parcels, so PT, Contrada Pettineo, FL, Contrada Fossa di Lupo, and BB, Contrada Bombolieri. Um, I decided to, to join with you Bombolieri because it's 100% limestone, as to show how Victoria is able to make so fresh wine, even we are in the north of uh, Africa, we can say at the end, no? So the perfect deep south of, uh, of Sicily. Um, fortunately in Victoria we have wine with low pH, high acidity, so I hope you join this uh, freshness and uh, elegance of the wine and uh, I invite you to discover the other parcel encontrado of Victoria and come to visit us soon. <laughs> Thank you, Mariana. And um, maybe Elisabetta, if you would like to say a few words. I'm also very pleased to be here. Thank you very much for everybody. Um, <coughs> I've seen making wine, yes. You see a cow, but uh, <laughs> no, my son is making wine now, but uh, I because I'm to see there. Yeah. yeah. And, your son said, no, my mom's only making cheese now. No wine, no wine. I have a fermentation. Yeah, but you know, I'm not cheese on mine. So this yeah. is good. 
it's much more difficult to make cheese than wine. So far I am now. Um, yes, uh, tasting the wine from Ariana and feeling this freshness and uh, go back perhaps to Noziola or Terolle or what we are doing in the South of South Austria. You are in North Africa and we are in South Austria. Apparently we're not in Italy, we're in Africa, we're in Austria. Yeah. Okay. So, perfect. Um, I was thinking about the, the beauty and the richness that this country has in terms of variety and expression of terroir because at least uh, um, we are, our mission, I think, as uh, women or generally say that people who are making wine is really to transfer into a bottle this pure message of the different uh, terroir, which is a word which is not our, I would say genius loci or something which of course, of course includes the climate, include the soil, the genetic, but include also what we are able to do with this. And uh, what we are able to do sometimes, uh, I mean, we are, we are, as far the people who make possible this, and we have a great responsibility because uh, first to save uh, and improve the genetic of all these variety, which are a lot, but less and less. Uh, I mean, the variability is. Uh, sorry, I talk a little bit generally, but uh, you know, Noziola, Toroldo, probably you know, but. Um, and, and second, how can we let express this terroir? Uh, because if you don't put the plant in a condition of, of be uh, healthy, be uh, connected, you know, with the roots, with all what the soil has to, to say, and also with the leaves, so there are a lot of information coming also from the cosmos, also from outside in a pure way, you, you won't be able to like express a terroir. So we have this great responsibility to that in a in a pure way because viticulture at least is a monoculture. It's not naturally. We have the forest which is naturally, but uh, so these poor vines are constricted to be uh, yes to work very close together. And uh, as my experience in this year was let the plant live in community and let express the diversity, then you can have terroir wine. Um, and for us in the cellar, be respectful, be beside. Uh, a lot of thinking, but mostly a lot of esteem to, to be beside to this meraviglioso world of diversity that we, we can have. Um, and I choose Noziola because uh, for Steroldego has uh, a lot of, I mean, uh, we are more, probably people know for Adore more for Steroldego, but because it's a very shine, but very important variety for Trentino, which nobody knows, there are only 50 hectare. Uh, but this is like an example for the great Italian wine, which can age a lot, uh, but only if you work with the skin, we, we, if you work with a certain uh, uh, cautions about. 
so that a lot of Italian white variety can now express herself through a different viticulture and different winemaking. Because even Trebbiano, you know, if you press, you put in the bottle, it's a very boring wine, but a Trebbiano who can express himself to the skin is completely different. So that's because uh, Noziola is here. And uh, yes, I'm very, very pleased to, to be with this great group of women. Thank you. Thank you, Elisabetta. And Chiara. Okay, I'm also I'm very, very happy to be here. And to be honest, when I get this invitation for the iconic women said, what do I have of iconic in my life? I work like a donkey going the senior and in the cellar, but then I said, yes, I have this. This is the iconic thing. This vineyard, Canube, that has been given to me that I take care of and is really an iconic uh, uh, vineyard in an iconic place. When you think about the Lange, the Barolo area, you think to terroir, of course, so the diversity of our uh, vineyard, our plot is uh, incredible. Uh, we really can make different wine from meter to meter. And that's why many years ago when I started uh, this adventure as a winemaker, as a young winemaker, and I get the fortune to get together with uh, some uh, other friends, they were only all boys, they were the Barolo boys, and I was the only girl in this group, but we understood that uh, to underline and to put a spotlight on this uh, characteristic, that would have been a very strong point for us. But I, in the past, has always been interpreted as a wine of assemblage. So all the different vineyards, the different expression of the various hills were put together. The idea was smart, of course, because you have a homogeneous and fantastic wine that put together all the different soil of our area. But to, uh, to redefine purely the single uh, vineyard, give the opportunity to understand much better for us uh, in premise, uh, to understand much better the potential of our tower. So can you be the wine that I present today? Uh, it's a line of uh, incredible uniqueness. The, the fact that uh, also the UNESCO gave us uh, as the first uh, region, wine region in the world the recognition for the, um, as a patrimony of the humanity is important, the recognition not only to the quality, but also to the beauty of, uh, of our area, beauty that has been sculptured by hard work of human beings. We have uh, a lot of work in the vineyard because to make it look look so beautiful and to taste so good, I promise you there is a lot of work that we do in person in the vineyard. Anyway, this this, vine, this wine is, um, so it's coming from this uh, vineyard that is in the heart of the Barolo area. So it's really very well protected. It's almost like in a cup, uh, so well protected by the, by the weather, by all the other vineyard. And this particular is not too high in the altitude, around 300 meters over the level of the sea. We have this uh, uh, unique uh, soil that is uh, uh, very rich in sand, so uh, has uh, a lot 
lot of drainage, so um, doesn't matter what, how is the weather, the condition, this vineyard performed always to his best. This vintage is 2010, that uh, is important for me, so it showed the age, and sorry, um, the wine is not uh, filtered, in fact, you will find a little bit of sediment. Um, for me, it's important, Canube, because yes, it's true, like Monica was saying, I had a dream, uh, because I, I am organic, uh, organic in the farming and the, of course in the winemaking, but uh, I hope I could convince my neighbor and my colleague and friend of the hill of Canube to create the first organic district in the area. At the beginning, everybody was saying, okay, this is the typical vision impossible. And uh, could seem so, but to be honest, I tell you, now is really almost all done. So almost all the producers accepted to adopt the, the organic uh, protocols for the canoe, which make me very, very happy and proud. Uh, the vintage 2010 is important for me because in this year, Mm, my brother George joined me. He has three wonderful daughters. They are all studying enology, of course, and they will be they will be ready soon to take the torch to and uh, help uh, in the cellar and in the vineyard. And there will be a new generation of uh, women. So, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, so that was our first group, but let me, um, I think both, all three of you talked a little bit about this idea of um, expression of granularity. Like, can we get back to this, you know, in terms of, we, we looked at some very little known grape varieties, and even all three of these, with Nebbiolo being much better known, are native Italian varieties from very, sometimes smaller regions, lesser known. How, all of you producers, I think, how are you part of the broader conversation when you're trying to communicate about something that's, very precise and very small sometimes. Is there anyone who would like to talk about this? Uh, well, um, as I was telling you before, for example, for Barolo, I can tell you about this. My experience uh, was always interpreted as an assemblage, and to be honest, uh, the assemblage is a fantastic, um, a fantastic way to to present the Barolo because uh, you get a little bit of all the the perfume, the color, the the, the taste of a different vineyard that can impact in a big different way. Mm, so. But, um, but the, the single the single crow has this magic of showing you and teaching you about uh, the character of that specific vineyard. I also brother two barolo, like Monica was saying before. The other uh, two barolos are one is another single crow in in Monforte, Mosconi, and and the third one is an assemblage. So uh, I I hope I invite you to taste uh, to come and taste uh, this one because the vinification that I want to do the same in order to show the difference of terroir because I think that really the terroir is our strength, strength point to make people, uh, engaging people to to make fall in love with the area and then according to the taste of everybody who likes more elegance, so for example, prefer Kanubi uh, who likes more the, 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 the meat, the fruit goes maybe for example, in my case, to Mosconi. But uh, it's really very nice, and uh, it's possible to have much more fun if you have more diversity. And I would say also, I mean, one of the beautiful things about Italian wine is the diversity. So this is just uh, greater diversity. Yes. Anyone else, or shall we move on to our next group? 
Okay, I think we'll go to the next group, the next two wines, and um, we can all taste again really quickly. Um, I haven't had a chance to taste yet. I just wanted to say from, from over here that we are perfectly on time. So I wanted to say thank you to all the panelists and everyone. We are perfectly on schedule. Um, and again, thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Save the date, the next edition of Vinitali will be held the 2nd through the 5th of April 2023. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. Cin cin! Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.